We're going to begin this morning a new series called Lighten the Load. How many of you ever once in a while in your life you get a little loaded down with some stuff? Anybody? Just kind of, you know, it's like, man, what happened here? Well, we're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks. So would you take your Bibles this morning and go to the book of John, the New Testament book of John, the 15th chapter. And we're going to read there in just a minute. Uh, But we're going to be talking about lightening the load in our faith, our family, and in our finances over the next few weeks. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of every time that we gather together so that you can begin to live in uh, the place that God has for you. As you're turning to the book of John, the 15th chapter, let me welcome our campuses today. I'm just trusting that today you're having a great day there, that God is blessing you, that you've already experienced the presence of God, and that as we go into the Word of the Lord today, that you are going to encounter God Himself through His Word, and that He's going to minister to you today by the power of the Holy Spirit. The book of John, the 15th chapter, says this, Abide in me, and I in what? You. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus said, look, uh, unless you're in me, you're in trouble. You're going to die without being plugged into the vine. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, let me explain this to you today because we're going to be talking about lightening the load in our faith. And and sometimes we have uh, a tendency not to really understand what happens to us. The Word of God says that if you don't abide in the vine, if you are not abiding in that place where Jesus is, that you can't do anything. Now, let me explain something to you. But if you are abiding in that place that you are supposed to be, that you're in the vine, then that means naturally or maybe supernaturally you are going to produce. Do, do you know that, it, that, that a tree that is a fruit-bearing tree does not have to work hard to bear fruit? Right? I mean, have you ever seen an apple tree straining? I need to bear apples. And yet, have you ever seen Christians straining? Sure you have. I mean, it's it's this whole process uh, that, that we move out of being the branches that are abiding in the vine, and we move into this place of religion. And, and so today, I, I want to help us. There, there, there's some ways that we just get loaded down at times. We kind of we, we find ourselves at times getting loaded down with different things, and, 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 and we don't know how to continue to move in everything that God has. Uh, so, sometimes in our life, uh, you know, you'll be going along, you'll be living for Jesus, you're in that relationship, things are going well, and then somebody will come up and they'll say, well, you, you know the Word of God tells you uh, that you ought to pray without ceasing. And you say, well, you know, I, I, I ought to pray without ceasing. Hmm. Okay, so I, I'm going to pick it up and, and I'm going to put on some praying without ceasing. All right, I'm, I'm going to get some praying. Well, now, that's not too bad right now, praying without ceasing. Okay, but the, but the problem is, is that after I've done some praying without ceasing for a while, and I've, I've you know, some days I've done it, some days, th- then somebody comes along and says, well, you, you know the Word of God says that you're to be perfect as God's perfect. So we say, well, I, I, I think I'll work on that one, and we, we get us an, another one, and, and I'm, I'm still all right, but, but you know, there's, there's some uh, issues starting to happen, right? 
but I'm still abiding in the vine. I, I'm, I'm still doing what God. And, and then somebody comes along and says, you know, the Bible says that you ought to take every thought into captivity. And oh, okay, okay, okay. Every, every thought. All right, all right. But, but all of a sudden, my, my uh, perfect's falling off. Right? And, and so I, then, then I got a ground and, man, okay. And I shift everything around here. But my shirt's all messed up. But, man, I'm, I'm living for Jesus. I'm going to church. I'm being happy. And, and then somebody says that, well, Pastor, you know, you're supposed to confess your sins one to the other. You know. Okay, confess my sins. Well, I start dropping everything, though, when I start confessing my sins. Because so. I, I, I can't confess my sins. You know, everything starts falling off. And so. and then, then somebody comes along and says, well, you know, you ought to hide the Word of God in, in your heart and are you getting it yet? My Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm wore out. And I've only moved two feet. And, and we, we find ourselves day in and day out living that way because somebody came along and somebody said and somebody placed this on us and somebody and, and, and we go, well, you know, when I first got saved, man, I, I like living for Jesus. I mean, it was fun. You know, I just came to church, and, and I had a little word, and, and uh, they spoke to me, and things went well. And, but, man, now, I've been living for Jesus for a year. I've been living for five. I've been living for 25. It's not near as much fun, Pastor. You know, I'm just, I'm just hanging in here. Why is it? It's because we have not understood. We, we've taken, do you realize what Jesus said? Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. But you know what I found in the, in the churches is that most Christians aren't in a place of rest. They're in a place of stress. They're wore out. They're carrying all this stuff. They're, 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 you know, they're, they're picking up what everybody is saying to them. And, and they're trying to be perfect. And they're trying to pray. And they're trying to be right. Uh, but, but every time they get it, then stuff starts falling off. And they, they, start, you know, they, get, they, they grab one thing and then the other thing falls. And, and so it's, you, have you ever been to the circus where the guy gets the plate spinning in the air and, and one he does pretty good and the second one he gets up there he does pretty good. But all of a sudden he's got five or six and the cat is running from side to side to side to side just to keep the plates up. And that's what happens to a lot of believers, that, that we miss out that Jesus said, come to me and rest. He said, come to me and get a, a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light. And, but we pile all this stuff on us, and we forget such scriptures as that there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Jesus Christ, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And, and, and we, we go through this in our faith, and, and, and all of a sudden, faith becomes more about the do's and the don'ts than it does about a relationship. And yes, there are do's and don'ts, but you know what? It's not about the do's and the don'ts. It's about walking in relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about our love being expressed to Him and His love being given to us. When we understand that, the load becomes lighter. And all of a sudden, we're not living under the stress and the strain and the problems and the difficulties of everything that everybody wants to put on us. 
I, I want to show us this morning how that we go about scripturally lightening the load. Would, would you take your Bibles and go to the book of Acts, uh, if you would? Excuse me, I'm sorry, the book of Matthew. I'm wanting to get to Acts. Matthew 21, go there. Matthew 21. And, and I want to, let me, let me just tell the story because it will take too long to read it. But, but let me just share it with you. The, the scripture says, in fact, this happens at the beginning of Jesus' ministry and at the end of his ministry, scholars tell us, that Jesus goes to the temple. Now, remember that Corinthians tell us that we are now the dwelling place of God, the temple of God. But in that day, God dwelt in the temple. And, and the Bible says that Jesus gets there one day and he just observes everything that's going on. He sees the, the, the people who are out there selling the, the doves and the, the animals. And, and not to belabor the story, but in that day and age, if you wanted to make yourself in right relationship with God, you had to bring a sacrifice. And what they were doing is, is that you would bring the animal from your house, and they would examine it, and they would say, oh, no, no, this one's not good enough. And then they would take it out back, and then they would bring you another one. They would sell it to you for an exorbitant amount, and they would keep that one until the next person came and they would sell that to him and, and it was a racket that they were making big money on and, and so Jesus stands there and he watches this whole process and and he gets indignant in fact he gets angry the Bible says I love to see where the scripture says that Jesus was angry because it makes me feel better when I get angry now I understand that he got angry for his father's house and that's the only time you're really supposed to get angry is about the father's stuff. But anyway, and, and, and Jesus looks at that and the Bible says that as, as he's standing there, he, he, takes, he takes a rope and begins to plait a whip as he's standing there. Now can you imagine, here's, here's God uh, manifest in the flesh who's, who's speaking all this good stuff all the time about, you know, love your neighbor and do good to them who, who despitefully use you. And, and yet he's... he's can, can you imagine what the disciples are thinking at this moment? Jesus, what are you doing? He says, hang on, I'll show you. And then in just a minute, the Bible says that he goes through, he starts kicking over tables and whipping. I mean, he, he goes ballistic, driving the money changers out of the house of God. And the Bible says that he even said to them, he said, he said my house shall be known as a house of prayer. One, one of the gospels says a, a house of prayer for all nations. Isn't that interesting in today's society? That means all ethnicities. My house shall be known as a house of all ethnicities. Well, it gets quiet sometimes, all right? And, and he said, but you have made it into a den of thieves. And, and he goes in there and he goes through the process of clearing the temple. And then the scripture says uh, that, that the, the people begin to praise God. The children came in, begin to worship God. Jesus began to heal people. Things begin to happen. As I looked at that in preparation for this series, I, I begin to see something in there that I want to share with you because the Word of God says is that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the place where God dwells. Just as that house had to be taken care of, our house has to be taken care of as well. And so I want to I give you four things this morning and how you go about lightening the load in your life to live the way that God wants you to. Look in verse 12, if you would, uh, of that chapter. It says, then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. The first thing that Jesus did was is that he brought purity to the house. If I want to lighten the load, I've got to get purity into my life. Oh, hallelujah. 
See, there, there are so many things in our society that beckon us to the impure. I mean, you, you can't drive down the street without being beckoned to the impure. You, you can't turn on television without being pulled to the impure. You, you can't live life. You can't walk by a magazine stand. You can't turn your computer on without it pulling you to the impure. And the Word of God lets us know that if we really want to live a life that is light, a life where Jesus Christ is Lord, that purity has got to come into our lives, ladies and gentlemen. And you and I have got to take the initiative in bringing purity into our life. Jesus had to drive some things out to get it to be a house of purity. There are some things in our lives that if we're not careful, we will allow to stay there. We will play games with it. We will even justify it. If you were to have asked those men and women who were buying and selling at the temple gate that day, what are you doing? They would have told you, oh, we're just doing what God called us to do. Have you ever been around Christians who justify their impure living? I mean, I've had people walk into my office and say, Pastor, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to counsel with me. And, and I found out, and, and don't get mad at me, but I found out that most people who ask me, especially for counseling, they really don't want counseling. They just want me to give a, a stamp of approval to what they've already decided. Glory to God, yes, right, all right? And so they come in and they say, Pastor, uh, I'm going to leave my spouse. And I say, really? And they said, yes, it's God's will. I say, really? Yes, God's will. Uh, in fact, I've already picked out who God has for me. And, and it's real interesting because, you know what, we're, we're seeing it happen in the media every day with pastors and preachers, and so if pastors and preachers can trade theirs in and not even slow down their ministry, oh, glory to God, and just go to the next one, then why can't the saints in the church do the same thing? And yet, the Word of God tells us that if you are married, it doesn't matter that you're not still in the same house, that you're still married. And, and so, therefore, purity means if I'm a believer, even if the other person is an unbeliever and walks out, until the day there is a divorce, I'm not dating, I'm not going out to eat with. Oh, see, you, you, you're not enjoying this, are you? It's, see, it's, it's that aspect of driving some things out of our lives, of saying, no, 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 we are not going to say, oh, it's all grace. It's the grace of God. It's, no, no, wait a minute. There is the grace of God, and the grace of God is so far beyond what we can understand. But I want to tell you, there are some times in our life, if we really and truly want to lighten the load, we got to drive some stuff out of us to get us to the place of purity and living the way that God wants us to. And so Jesus just came in and he tore up Jack. I mean, he kicks. I mean, can you imagine me just walking in today? What if I just started at the back instead of having luggage? What if I'd walked in with a whip and an Indiana Jones hat? <laughs> you know, just start kicking stuff over and popping away. I mean, people would be scrambling for the exits, wouldn't they? I mean, they'd be out. Of, Man, that preacher is crazy. And yet Jesus said, listen, you, you've done something to, to my father's house. And he said, he said I, I don't like it. Look in verse 13. Uh, he, he says, and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. The second aspect in lightening the load is that you and I have got to become people of prayer. 
You say, Pastor, how can that lighten the light? It seems like it, it makes the Lord heavy. No, no, no. Listen, when, when you learn how to pray, do, do you realize that all that prayer is is getting into agreement with what God already has established? Uh, have you ever read the Scripture and go, I don't have that in my life? Ever read anything? Am I the only one? I mean, have, have, today, have you ever, you know, you, you're reading and it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. You go, man, I'm not healthy. I'm broke. And my life's messed up. And yet the scripture says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul. It, it, it was that, was, was, was Paul, I mean, was, uh, was at that point, was that just a, a, a word there that John was given? Was that just something that was being said there in 1 John? Is that just something nice? You know, it's like, how are you doing? It, or was that really the word of God? How many of you believe it was really the word of God? Now, if it was really the word of God, but I'm not having it in my life, then what I've got to do is I've got to come into agreement with what God says. That's what prayer is. Prayer is not, oh God. I mean, I look at some people when they pray and I go, you must really be in pain. I mean, they squinch, oh Jesus. Now, I, I, you know, there are moments, I guess, everyone, when you just really, you know, there, there are times you don't pray those theologically firm prayers. You just run in, you know, you hit your knees about halfway down the aisle and you just slide into the altar. You just lay there going, uh, 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 you know, you, I, and if you've never been there, you will be. You don't have anything to say. You're just laying there going, oh, God, please show up because if you don't, it's over. All right? But every prayer is not that way. And so what, what I found is, is that in my prayer time is that, that I want to get to that place where, Lord, I want to come into agreement with you. If your word says it, then I want it. If your word says I can be an overcomer, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, if, if, if I can be uh, more than a con if, if I can have those things in my life, then, God, I come to you today, and I just approach the throne of God boldly, and here are my petitions. My petitions today say that I want to be a conqueror because your word says that I can be a conqueror. And you know what? All of a sudden, you look around, and you're conquering things. Things begin to change in your life. Things begin to happen on your behalf. You begin to see the power and the presence and the majesty of the Almighty God showing up on your behalf. And, and all of a sudden, the, the luggage starts falling off. Because now you're coming into agreement with God Almighty. And that's all prayer. He said, my, my house shall be known as a house of prayer. You and I need to learn to be prayers. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, Jesus blessed this food and Lord, now I lay me down to sleep. I'm talking about learning how to really come into agreement. You don't have to be religious to pray. You don't have to use $10 words to pray. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father heareth us todayeth, O Lordeth. You know, I always think they got a speech impediment when they pray that way. 
You don't talk that way. Why are you praying that way? You and I can lighten the load by, first of all, getting the junk out and, secondly, coming into agreement with God Almighty to receive what his word says is ours. Look at verse 14. It says, Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. The third thing that happens as you are lightening the load is, is that the power of God comes into your life. Now, I want to tell you, when the power of God comes into your life, there's nothing like it. In fact, you become addicted to it, and I use that in the best sense possible. It's like I, I can't wait for the power of God to show up in my life again. I mean, I, I have been doing this a long time. I've been pastoring for over 30 years. Uh, I've, I've been in the ministry that whole time. And, and I think, I really believe that today I am more hungry for the power of God than I was 30 years ago. I, I really believe today. I, I've, I've just recently been going back through and, and, and reading. So I, I just ordered a whole set of books on, on William Branham. And I, I know there were some issues later in his life, but the man was mightily used of God, powerful. And, and I just, I'm, I'm hungry. I picked up a book this week uh, by, by a Lutheran pastor who, who believes in healing. And I'm just saying, Lord, what, what is this guy understanding as a Lutheran that I, as a classical Pentecostal spirit-filled believer, have not have haven't understood God you're using him greatly use me the same way listen you you need to learn to love the power of God because it's the power when the power gets there the yokes start coming off the bondages start being released from your life all of a sudden that habit that you couldn't handle the power handles it Jesus told the disciples he said wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high he said there's coming a, a powerful release of the spirit in your life and he said it is going to be transformative for you he said so hang out in Jerusalem until you get this power and when that power came all of a sudden these shy insecure fishermen who were not trained and within a lifetime, they turned the world upside down for the glory of God. Listen, you don't have to have the best education. You don't have to come from the right side of the tracks. You don't have to know the right people. All you've got to do is come to that place where the power of God is inside of you. I was rethinking this morning whether Jesus said, come unto me and I'll give you to drink. And he said, out of your bellies will flow Rivers. Now think about. It. I hadn't. Maybe you got this, but I thought, Lord, why not? No, why not a river? Why rivers? Why did he say rivers? I, I think there's a reason. The reason is, is because sometimes it's a river of healing. Sometimes it's a river of faith. Sometimes it's a river of deliverance. Sometimes it's a, it's, it's, it can be a salvation river. All of these rivers flow out of us when we get into that place where the power of God. And I want to tell you, when you see the power of God coming into your life on your behalf, ministering to your family and your situation, you will never, ever settle for anything less again because you know what God is doing to you. And all of a sudden, the luggage begins to fall off and the load gets light. Look in verse 16, if you would, the fourth one. And he said to them, do you hear what these are saying? Talking about the, uh, the children who were dancing and worshiping. It says, and Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nurse, nursing infants you have perfected 
praise. What happened here is after Jesus began to heal people, the children began to praise and worship God. And some of the religious people got upset, and Jesus said, no, no, no. Have you not ever read where it says, out of the mouth of babes, you have perfected praise? The fourth thing that happens in your life when you lighten the load in this walk of faith is that praise begins to come out. You can't help it. I mean, listen, when God does something for you and things are going right in your life, you can't help but praise. You can't help but talk about the goodness of God. You do realize there's a difference in praise and worship, don't you? Praise, go read it, praise is declaring the mighty acts of God. That's what it is, praise. When, when you say I'm praising, then you better be declaring the mighty acts of God. Worship is adoring who he is, but praise is declaring the mighty acts of God. And Jesus said, when you get to that place that the luggage of life has fallen off of you, you are going to begin to talk about the great and powerful things that I have done on your behalf, and everybody around you is going to hear because you are going to go forth, and praise is going to come out of your mouth. Now, I don't know about you, but that excites me. When I begin to realize that I don't have to walk around burdened all the time. I don't have to walk around carrying all this stuff, and I get it fixed on this side, and it falls off on that side, and all the stuff that goes along with it. But that I come to that place of saying, wait a minute, his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. I'm going to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Do you remember when you got saved? Come on, do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember that fresh feeling? Do you remember it was like you didn't even know how dirty you were? You, you really didn't. I mean, some of your stories in here, some of those of you watching today, your stories, if, if, if you were to tell us what was going on in your life the day you met Jesus, it would astound us. Some of you were addicted to everything under the sun. Some of you were living in lifestyles that were just horrible. Some of you were treating your family and, and your friends in, in ways that were just unbelievable. And yet Jesus showed up. And he didn't judge you. He didn't point out all your imperfections. He just loved you. He just showed you his love. And, and that day that you got saved, it was like the best thing that had ever happened in your life. You remember? Come on, I'm trying to help. Do you remember when you got saved? I was seven years old when I got saved. You say, you can't do much sinning. Oh, I could. I remember. I remember kneeling on the side of an old building and weeping and asking Jesus to come into my life. Seven. And I remember getting up. I'm 51. I still remember. I can take you to the place. Back two or three years ago, Sherry and I were out riding when I had a Harley. Oh, another prayer. And uh, I said, I'm going to take you. It's, it's a flea market. Where, where I got saved is now a flea market. I don't know what that means about my relationship with God. But 
And I said, let me take, let me show you. Right there. I mean, I took her right there. Right there is where I got saved. Right there, place. Some of you need to go back and remember where you got saved. You may not go back to the physical place, but some of you today, you need to, in your mind, go back to that place when his burden was easy and that you were just able to walk in the freshness of his love before you got so religious that it became about all the do's and all the don'ts and I believe in do's and don'ts but if my relationship with Sherry is all about do's and don'ts our marriage is in serious trouble I need to do better on the do's and I probably need to stop on some of the don'ts but my marriage is not based on that my marriage is based on a love that we have formed over 32 years of marriage it's the same way in your life with Jesus it's not about the stuff it's about remembering what it was like when we got saved